Zuko. Wood Carter. That is the nastiest smelling toot I have ever smelt in my life. <laughs> Called out, Zuko. Oh my god. Don't look at me with that cute little face. Okay. <laughs> Happy New Year, and welcome back to Hate Spinnerbait, the podcast where we hate spinnerbait, but we love that Barbie can be anything, and so can you. Hi, I'm Bethany. <laughs> With me, as always, is Michael Ann. Michael Ann, 2023, how are you feeling about it? How are you? How's life? <laughs> you know, I'm feeling positive. 2023 is going to be a good one. Yes. It has to be because the last three were bad. <laughs> it is. If ain't that the truth? It's the year you get married, so you've got you've got like a really big thing to look forward to. I since we just finished off the year with um, the last time we all talked to, we were doing keeping the moon. Funny story. So 2020, I'm obviously serving at my job. And every time it's my last table of the year, I like to tell them like, oh, fun fact, you're my last table of the year. Like, congrats. So, of course, it was 2020, which was like a hellacious year. And I told my table that. And then, and so I was like, I really hope this next year is a good one. And of course, 2021 was the year I was going to be getting married. And I had a lot of big plans coming up for that year. And I was like, I really need everything to go smoothly. And this lady was the sweetest person. And she left me like a little note. And I will never forget that. And she was like, 2021 is going to be so much better. It's going to be your year. And like, was it the best year ever? No. <laughs> but <laughs> it was a better year. So yeah, I don't know. 2023. I'm calling it 23, of course, famously Michael Jordan's basketball number. Everyone calls him the greatest of all time. So I'm calling 2023 the greatest year of all time. (laughs) I fucking hope so is all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) I need a break. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's been a time. I don't remember a time before like March of 2020, honestly. No, my mind blank from before that time. (laughs) Um, Speaking of, wow, what a great segue, actually. So speaking of, because neither of us remember a time before March of 2020, uh, we have entered a new millennium with Dreamland. I'm holding up the book like you all can see it. This is an audio recording. (laughs) This is an audio format, but Michael Ann can see you holding up Dreamland. Um, but yeah, we are entering, we finished our last book of the nineties with Sarah Dawson. We've now entered her first book in the, a new decade, a new millennium, which is the year 2000. We all survived Y2K as we discussed in a previous episode. We were all panicked and well, Michael and I were panicked. (laughs) Um, we made it 2000. It did happen. And Mm -hmm. this was published. I believe I looked at the thing in September of 2000. So yeah, so this was her first one of 2000. Tell us some fun facts about the year 2000. Oh, wait, we got to get in our time machine. 
Are we ready? <laughs> Here we are in the year 2000. The Twin Towers are still standing. And that's good. Um, the yeah. last year that we weren't at war for the next 23 plus years, I think. What a time. What a time. How so, innocent we all were. We were. Little did we know. <laughs> Maybe the world did end in Y2K and we're all just in like some sort of alternate like wormhole. Reality. It might be. It might be. So a couple popular things in the 2000s. Uh, bring it on came out which was oh yeah just a life-altering movie in my opinion. god such a good movie i quote that to this day true story day it's so good <laughs> miss congeniality is another good one that came out oh, we love yes. sandra we love sandra and charlie's angels <gasps> also iconic i'm literally wearing an each and sweatshirt right now so it goes without saying that i'm obsessed with drew barrymore and let me tell you drew barrymore just like a legend in the charlie's angels films thank you a legend and everything and everything that was such a good i mean lucy lou cameron diaz like they were all like top of their game at that time like very big names and I mean, still very big names to this day. I love that Cameron Diaz just kind of disappeared. Good for her, honestly. Yeah. Like, she made her money, and now she's, like, living her life. Mad respect. Um, her, Drew Barrymore and Cameron Diaz, still very, very good friends to this day. And also good for them. Again, the power of female friendship. We love it. We love it. I have Drew Barrymore's home collection. I have her copy pot. I enjoy it. <gasps> I love her. Yes. I just bought the E.T. palette from her makeup, Flower by Drew makeup collection because obviously I needed it and it is very lovely shimmers I, I got some good compliments when I did a little eye makeup look the other day with that palette so thanks Drew <laughs> oh girl also Cameron Diaz married um Benji Madden from yeah. Good Charlotte which is my favorite band of all time so yeah fun facts and fun facts. Good Charlotte big into like we're getting into their their reign, speaking yeah. of. <laughs> yeah, their first album, their self-titled album actually came out in 2000, I believe. Yeah. is my favorite album of all time. And I'm going to look that up just to make sure I don't sound like an asshole. Charlotte. I need to know now. It's We're getting into some like really good like emo slash pop punk in the early 2000s. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yep, 2000 it's... was when their first album dropped. So big year. So a couple TV shows I wanted to talk about that were popular in 2000. Even Stevens, which I loved Even Stevens. <gasps> yes. Although Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. Not good. It's, that has not. Yeah. And it's like <sighs> Shia. Like he really was having a time and he was having such a renaissance. And then obviously now I'm like, yeah, it's some, uh, problematic. But yeah, but that's on the spot mm -hmm. that. <laughs> But Christy Carlson Romano is amazing. And I yeah. follow her on TikTok and Instagram. And she has podcasts where she talks about what it was like to be a child star back in that time period. But um, she's killing it. She looks great. So yeah, she's like, I believe she lives in Austin now. She lives in Texas, like has kids, uh, a husband. She's happy. She's healthy. She's talked about, yeah, like what being a child star can do to someone. And I'm happy that she... Much like Drew Barrymore, made it to the other side and is doing yes. very well for herself. Agreed. 
as told by ginger i don't know if you watched as told by ginger but i loved no. it what is that it was a cartoon on nickelodeon i believe okay it was very good and it, the theme song was macy gray oh that's so 2000 and also that's fantastic mm-hmm. <laughs> that is fantastic i i'm so surprised i don't know this because i watch like nothing but nickelodeon cartoons well i mean i watch like disney channel stuff as well obviously at the time uh but i'm amazed i don't know that because i watched and very vividly during that time like i would have been watching you know all of those hey arnold's all that kind of stuff rocket power um so i'm really amazed i don't know this but that one must have I must have missed that one somehow. It was not as popular. Yeah. Not as popular. Um, and then finally, Gilmore Girls came out in the year 2000. The most important thing that has ever happened. The most so important good. thing that has ever happened in the world. In the Gilmore world. In the history of life. Literally, maybe one of the most formative things I have ever watched. Truly, I think. 100%. 100%. <laughs> Thanks to Michael Ann, I fell down a rabbit hole because she posted a Gilmore Girls Lounge Fly, which if you know anything about me, you know that that's two things I love, Gilmore Girls and Lounge Flies. And so I was like, oh my God. And so by the time I got on, they were all sold out. There was like five different versions and wallets and literally all gone. And they were all so cute. And I was like, I'll take any of them. And they were all sold out. So it wasn't meant to be for me and that's fine. But then I just was looking at everything else that they like had for sale. And I'm like, I need this shirt. I need this. I need this. I did not know that any of this existed and now I do and I want all of it. So um, my bank account is a little mad at you, Michael Ann, but my heart <laughs> is very happy with you. <laughs> I need the Dozies Market uh, mug. I need it's that so mug. Good. It's, so, it's good. so good. Oh, so I've been watching Gilmore Girls long enough where my crush on Jess Mariano has developed into a crush on season one luke danes season <laughs> one luke danes is very attractive wow he's wow. a he's a an attractive man he is i was like Burr. i like see him and his little flannels and i'm like okay okay Lorelai, what are you doing with max medina when you have that seriously okay and no offense to max but like come on Luke was right there. And like, you could tell, obviously he liked you. And yeah, it's a little backwards baseball cap. God, what a legend. Grumpy demeanor, but secretly a a ball of love. I'm a sucker for that. Always, always a sucker for that. God, Luke, Luke and Lorelai. I actually had uh, seventh grade. So a little after 2000, but we're still in the early 2000s reign. So obviously, peak Gilmore Girls time. We had little twin eggs uh, for, you know, in home ec, you have to do the little like eggs or whatever that you like have as your baby. And so uh, we named them Luke and Lorelai. Oh, <laughs> first of all, I did not know that was a real thing that schools actually did. I oh, thought we, that was a TV show. I thought that was a trope. Finally, we, I found one that my school, like, because I'm always like, that's not a real thing. That had to be a TV show thing. And you're like, no, I did that in high school or no, my school did that. And finally, I found one that you guys didn't do that. Oh, yeah, we definitely, me and my sisters, we all had to do it. You like, it was so annoying because you had to pinpick the little egg and the yolk would drip out very, very slowly because you couldn't kill the, like, you know, shell part. 
So a little tiny pin poke, you would like blow in it to make it go a little faster and slowly so it would drip out. You'd like lay it overnight to draw to like dry out. And then the next day you could like make a little face on it and we like put a little hair on it. And then yeah, you had to do it for a week. We did do that in our home ec class, yes. <laughs> I went to Catholic school, so that's probably why we didn't do it. They were like, We don't even want you to think about baby. No, they that's were like, Don't allowed. even don't Jesus even would that. never allow that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so other popular things that happened uh bush versus gore oh yes if you want more information on that i recommend that you're wrong about episode about that whole situation because it's crazy and it will get you nice and angry oh um, brad and jen got married and so did angelina and billy bob oh that was a phase that really was the vials of blood it's too much so weird so weird and then finally the first illegal song download service napster is created which yes is- which that guy's kind of a tool but it really started a whole started i don't know who started a whole napster? thing uh sean parker which I, I only know because again my love for the social network <laughs> Oh, Justin Timberlake's right, character. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, so that guy's a that guy's a tool. But I, I mean, thanks for your your contribution, sir, to the the cause of I don't know, kind of making downloadable music a thing. And then we all had to do LimeWire for years, where you would get the uh, you thought you were downloading a song, and instead you would get the I did not have sexual relations with that woman <laughs> clip over and over. Why? Why was that a thing on LimeWire? But yeah. I'm sure we all got it. <laughs> I downloaded so many illegal things on LimeWire. There was an episode of Degrassi that was illegal in the United States because it was mm. about abortion, and I downloaded that episode and I watched it, and it. It did radicalize me. I've been pro-choice ever. <laughs> they were uh, right to ban it. <laughs> they were right to ban it because you'd be pro-choice if you watched that episode is all I'm going to say. I, I have seen that episode and it is a good episode. I what we're recommending episodes on abortion. <laughs> Friday Night Lights also did a really great episode that they got a lot of flack for. many, And that was years later and it was still like a on network TV. We can't talk about it, Tabu. But great episode of television. Thank you and good day. <laughs> Interesting. I'm gonna have to start watching that show. You've sold me. It's so good. So good. I also, since this uh book is a little bit different than her past three that we've read, it's a little bit more serious. The themes are a little more um serious. I don't know what else to say about it. I wanted to talk about the book a little bit. On Sarah Dessen's website, she has a little uh in Sarah's words, and I'm just gonna read it. It's a little long, but I think it's worth it. So she says, even while I was writing it, I knew Dreamland was different. It had a lot of the elements of the other books, but something kept pulling it deeper to a place that for me as a writer was really challenging. Originally, the story of Caitlin and Rogerson was in another novel I'd written, one that turned out to be mostly terrible. But then on Christmas Day of 1997, I was reading a book and the word Dreamland used in a simple sentence jumped out at me. I just had this image of a mother standing in a bedroom door in silhouette saying something about seeing you in dreamland and the story started to fall together. I picked the parts about Caitlin and Rogerson from the other book and shaped a story around them, adding in Cass and her story as well as the other subplots of the book. It was very slow going. I wasn't teaching that semester and I wrote every day, really taking my time. 
There were scenes that were really hard to write. And some days I just had to go into another room, close my eyes for a few seconds to get my bearings. It's hard to create a character like Caitlin on the page and then systematically break her down to nothing before you can begin to build her up again. I think that's why I relied so much on the humor in Dreamland. And then she just kind of talks about how she's glad that this um, book had a good reception and she wasn't intending on writing a story about domestic violence, but she did. She did. She says, for me, the book was always about Caitlin, about suddenly having to find your way when someone has always led the way for you before. It's not always easy, but she finds it can be done. Sarah Dessen was the recipient of the 2017 Margaret A. Edwards Award, honoring her work, um, including Dreamland, Keeping the Moon, Just Listen, The Truth About Forever, Along for the Ride, What Happened to Goodbye, and This Lullaby. That award is named in honor of the late Margaret A. Edwards, a pioneer in providing library services to young adults. So, yeah, that's kind of what I want to give you a background on, just Sarah Dessen's process and thought process while writing this book and how she won an award for this and many others. But I think she could have probably won an award for this one alone, in my opinion. Seriously. And yeah, this is, I would say we've discussed before and we'll discuss a lot over the next few weeks when we're going through it probably the hardest read but I also mm -hmm. think the most important read like if I'm recommending Sarah Dessen to someone who's never read their novels I'd probably recommend one that's like a little lighter but I would I would put this in conversation and be like but if you want to read I think like her most important work it's this for me mm -hmm. like hands down yeah yeah, absolutely. And then we will also include um, some resources for domestic violence and dating abuse if you um, need them in the comment, in the uh, information about the episode. Yes. And yeah, we, at the start of every episode, we're also going to go ahead and give uh, a trigger warning since we will be discussing very uh, potentially triggering topics, such as, of course, abuse. Um, and every on Instagram, if you follow us, if you're looking for the new episodes, uh, Mike Lamb has already, I saw, posted one, but I'm sure every episode will also have yes. a warning. But so both at the beginning of every episode vocally and in uh, and the, the posts that we make, we'll always make sure to warn everyone, take care of yourselves. Uh, like I said, I think this is a very important thing to read, even though I do find it very difficult. Um, but obviously, if this is, you have to skip the next couple of weeks, we totally understand. And we'll see you on the next novel. Take care of yourselves out there. Yeah, we're, it's gonna, we're gonna try to keep it in our normal, <laughs> light banterish way, but I'm sure there's gonna be some seriousness. Uh, yes. This particular, you know, episode, we're not even getting that deep into I mean obviously as per usual we're only reading the first few chapters and I was saying right before we hit record I was like oh like we're not even getting into the Rogerson of it all yet and it's already just, just depressing <laughs> like it's already yeah. depressing and we're not even getting into like the really neat and terrible bits of it uh we did since we decided uh, starting with keeping the moon that we we're gonna try our best to read the dedications everything that seems like a good place to start and this dedication alone is just i think very deeply moving so this one says for bianca idia i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing your name right i'm so sorry um ashley hannah gretchen leah and charlotte who have always told me their stories and jay who is still listening to mine 
I'm grateful to my agent, Leah Feldman, for seeing me through, Michael and Mary, Mary and Gliss, for support and spirit, and my parents, Alan and Cynthia Dessen. I think that's maybe the first time I've ever learned their names. <laughs> Who survived my last years and, like me, lived to tell. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, just in the dedication, I'm like, oh, jeez, deep. Yeah, I would, I would love to know... I would love to know more about her lost years. Yeah, me too. I mean, um, if she is, of course, willing to tell, but that was course. like, wow, that's, that's wow. That's really, um, but yeah. And I think it is, I think it is important that everyone, you know, again, if they're willing, does share their story. And I, I like that so many people clearly talked to Sarah and she worked from her own mm-hmm. experience with certain things here on this novel. Um, and you know, every time someone tells their story, it does like help you feel a little less alone. So that's always great. But again, obviously only if, you know, like she's, she was thanking them because, you know, obviously it's not her place to have, uh, you know, been privy to information, but those people were, were down to share. I told a friend the other night, actually, cause she was talking about this new guy she was kind of talking to and there's something she was a little worried about with him. Um, and she was comparing it to a past relationship, which ended kind of traumatically, and she's like, well, I was a fool in that one. And I was like, well, yeah, because no one, no one knows. And I was like, no one thinks that they're going to be in a relationship where they are emotionally or physically abused until you are. And you don't know the signs until you've done it. And I was like, I have very strong boundaries now. But mm-hmm. before I was in an emotionally abusive relationship, I, I was like, I didn't know. I'm like, nobody knows until I was like, unfortunately, it's one of those lessons. Like, sometimes you have to learn the hard way. Um, I really hope for future people that they don't, but yeah, you don't, you don't know until you know, and you are not the fool in this situation. Trust me. It is Mm -hmm. the the person who is doing those things to you. 100%. And, um, one really, so I had a new therapist this year who I really loved and I'm devastated that I had to stop seeing her because I moved out of New York into South Carolina. So she couldn't see me anymore. Sad. But she told me, you know, one thing that really stuck with me is even if you know that this person is like, has like a shady past or something, it's, it's not your fault if you trust them and then get abused by them. Like she said, you could walk up to somebody who had a t-shirt on that said, I'm a serial killer. And it still wouldn't be your fault that you were murdered. It is 100% the person who is doing the actions if you had enough love and trust in your heart to um you know trust somebody who wasn't good to you that's on them not you so Mm -hmm. very well yeah yeah that is a good one i like that she's spot on she is she's lovely spot on she seems like a lovely person yeah i hope she's thriving same same we hope all of us are just thriving here in 2023 this is our time y'all this is <laughs> it. Time. Sorry, we're gonna we're gonna so good uh so yeah we actually kind of have a little straight after the dedication it goes straight into almost like a prologue it doesn't really say that it is a prologue or a preface or anything but there's just a couple of pages until we get into part one chapter one which is entitled cast so just to break down what the the prologue is about essentially it starts, uh, my sister cast her in a way the morning of my 16th birthday, which rude. <laughs> like, yeah. I understand that you were going through something, Cass, and you were trying to do what was right for you because you have not waited a couple of days. That's all I'm going to say. But right. all right. 
she did leave her a present though, at least. Uh, so yeah, so she basically, Caitlin, our our main character of this novel, wakes up and her parents have found the letter that she left, that her elder sister left under uh, the coffee pot, essentially. And it just says, mom and dad, I want you to know first that I'm sorry about this. Someday I hope I'll be able to explain it well enough so that you understand. Please don't worry. I'll be in touch. I love you both, Cass. So yeah, so she has run off. And her parents are obviously freaking out. Um, her neighbors, which is Boo and Stuart Connell, which we kind of find out are very like new wavy hippie uh, people, which is not at all like her parents, but they get along because of proximity, essentially, because <laughs> they're neighbors. Um, so they're on their way over to basically have a lovely like birthday breakfast for Caitlin, when of course it's kind of interrupted because. Cass has gone missing. And already we get right here on page three. This is probably the fastest title drop in any of the novels we have read so far. So basically her dad is calling the police or whatever. And Caitlin has a memory of when she was little. And so she says, "Um, I had a sudden memory pop into my head. My mother standing in the doorway of Cass in my childhood's room Back when we had twin beds and pink wallpaper, she would always kiss us, then stand in the doorway after turning off the light, her shadow stretching down the length of the room between us. She was always the last thing I tried to see before I fell asleep. See you in dreamland, she'd whisper, and blow us a kiss before shutting the door quietly behind her. So yeah, page three. So Mama, Mama, oh, what is our name? Oh, Corin, I think. Is that how you pronounce that? That's, That's how, how I've been pronouncing it in my head. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> um... <laughs> Is the one who gets the na- the name drop in this very very early. I like how it just kind of goes right into the story without yeah. any um, like uh, heading. Yeah, my brain is not working today, y'all. It has been a long week. I hope y'all enjoyed your Christmas. Woo. Um, <laughs> I like how it doesn't have like you know a heading like prologue, chapter one, whatever. I like how it just kind of goes right into it because it it gives you that feeling of like I just woke up and I'm still getting my bear- bearings and my sister's missing. Like it's yeah, it, it does give you that sense of like wait, wait, everything has changed, everything is different. And then we do kind of start to see some hints of why Cass might have run away. Um, one of the first things her mother says is she's supposed to be at Yale in two weeks. And that is the first of like 15 times that we hear them bring up Yale. Oh man. They're so obsessed with, they're more obsessed with Yale than Emily and Richard Gilmore. Yes. They are like, this is the most important thing is she's going to Yale. And we kind of see throughout the next couple chapters that Cass was like the perfect child. And Mm -hmm. As we know from popular culture, it's not easy to be the perfect child. Eventually you break Rory Gilmore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely some Rory Gilmore vibes off of her. And I think she is 100% the, the definition of the, the, the eldest sister, you know, I don't want to say like trope. That's not a trope. It's a real thing that people have like when you're the eldest sister and it's like very, um, you know, anxiety inducing because you're the first and you have to set the example and whatever. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole, you know, song 
uh, an Encanto about it. You all know it. You know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you all know that song from Encanto. You all know that one. So the pressure and the break-in and the, it's hard. It's hard being an older sister. And stuff. I liked that movie. That movie was, <laughs> it was a very good movie and yeah. very good songs. And that's, I, I've seen so many people that are older sisters be like, oh my God, like th- what I feel that was put into a song and I'm so happy for them that they have that. I can't personally relate because I'm not older sister, but I could imagine, I mean, I've heard my eldest sister, Megan complain before (laughs) about it. So I can't imagine. Again, I just want it to be known. It's not always easy as being the younger sister either. I feel for Kaylin here as well, but yeah, obviously Cass is, I think has a lot of pressure and some of it self-imposed pressure, but what is that that post? I've seen it like all Twitter, Tumblr, whatever, any social media you might have that's like the gifted to adult with anxiety pipeline or whatever. And it's like, yeah, that's that's Cass right there. It's like, yeah. oh, she was such a good girl when she was in elementary school. She was so bright. And now she's like an adult with anxiety. And it's like, yeah, because that's what <laughs> we we were all such good little kids because we were anxious. <laughs> mm-hmm. We were terrified. Um, Dis- yeah, well. we we're terrified of disappointing anyone ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh man! But yeah, I did like um, here on page five, which is kind of the uh, end of this whole. We've woken up, like literally the first few pages. Like you were saying, it just does do such a good job of like setting the anxiety about the situation yeah like she just, she wakes up this is happening and like when I was reading the first few pages I was like god like this really is stressful like this person's coming in the door dad's on the phone like she just writes it in such a way that you like feel the frenzy that they're all feeling but she basically bumped her head when she woke up because she tripped over her present which her sister left her so she you know basically goes into the room and opens it up and it it's a dream journal but yeah, so she says, I took it into my room and sat down on my bed. In the mirror over my bureau, I could see my face was scratched from where I'd hit the light switch. The skin around it a bright pink. No one had even noticed. And it's like, yep. And again, like the important thing here is that her sister is missing. And obviously she is very distraught about that herself. And it sounds like they had a, a pretty good relationship. And she very much looked up to her sister. But it's kind of like, it's her birthday. She woke up. It was supposed to be a good day. And... It seems like a lot of times she is living in Cass's shadow. And I just love that line. Like, it's, a you know, again, that kind of showing that telling. Like, we're just talking about a scratch here. But, you know, it's it's so much more than a scratch. I think a lot of times no one even notices uh, Caitlin kind of in this situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like that was probably, well, I don't know. I'm just making a prediction um i'm a i'm a spoiler free i've read i read this like 500 times when i was a kid but i haven't read it in adult adult life and i feel like it's gonna be kind of one of those things where caitlin is has been kind of overshadowed by Cass forever um Mm -hmm. so i guess we'll see we'll see what happens chapter one so we kind of start off uh, a little bit of a, a memory that when caitlin was born Cass was six they were fighting over a shovel, essentially. And she's kind of saying, as these stories go, like, they don't really have memories of it because they were super little. But it's a story they were told so many times that now it seems like it's a, you know, like a memory that's theirs. Um, and Boo, who, again, is the uh, hippie neighbor, um, mm-hmm. happened to take a picture of the incident. She ends up having to go get stitches. Caitlin does. 
And so she has like a little scar that she barely notices, but she says that like Cass always kind of like noticed it and would like rub her finger over it. And in a way that almost was like, she felt guilty mm-hmm. and Caitlin never like, you know, blamed her because she was like, we were kids. It was kind of both our faults, whatever. Um, but so that's just kind of a, a little, little memory that she's, talking about um she talks about how both cassie and her got her names which is kind of boo is responsible for both of them it sounds like mm-hmm. uh because she boo suggested cassandra um this in greek mythology she was a seer a prophet and so she ends up going with that which of course she because it is greek mythology she does kind of have a um a tragic ending and then when, by the time she came along, uh, my mom and Boo are best friends. Boo's real name was Catherine, but she hated it. So I was named Caitlin, the Irish version. Um, so yeah, so she says that Cass's name was always cooler, but to be named for Boo was something special. So I never complained. So then she kind of is talking a little bit about Cass and like you were saying how she was kind of a, a bit of an overachiever, a bit of a, a quote unquote perfect kid she was judy body president she was like a a state champion soccer player she was involved in everything i mean obviously she was a great student and and well-rounded she got into yale after all (laughs) boy do they love mentioning it (laughs) which is like such like this mother it's like yeah like her daughter is missing and like that's what she's upset about but as we kind of see like her whole life is her kids and like her whole mm-hmm. life was Cass and her schedules and this and the other thing. And she like, I'm like, are you more upset that your daughter is missing or that your daughter is no longer going to go to Yale? <laughs> Cause it kind of right. seems <laughs> like it might be the Yale thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Speaking of the mother, uh, first thing I want to mention is that they live in Lakeview. So shout out that we're getting some Dessin, uh, continuation here on page 10 here it says the shovel was destroyed my mother already a nervous case wouldn't let us leave the house or play with anything not plush or stuffed for about six months so we have a very nervous mother and as you said like she's really her whole life is like Cass's life her whole life is Cass's schedule her games her grades all everything I think mom is is gonna be an interesting character to to keep an eye on during this and I did also really like that Boo, that she was named Caitlin, the Irish version. I thought that was like a really nice detail. Yes. I, I very much, I am very, so far, very um, intrigued by Boo and Stuart and Caitlin's kind of relationship with them and her family, mm-hmm. I guess, relationship with them overall. It's funny, I am... Um, we took obviously a couple week break and we've been, you know, rereading Sarah Dessa novels where it's like daughter with mommy issues, <laughs> every, yeah. every book essentially. And we're okay. We're here. We're back at a, we're here, mm-hmm. baby new year, same mommy issues. <laughs> um, but I was like, yeah, I'm taking a little break for recording, you know, holidays, crazy work schedule, whatever. And I've been watching uh, me and everyone else on planet earth. i uh, been watching Wednesday. I'm not finished yet. Oh, yeah. So no spoilers, everyone. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. But, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm almost finished. I have like two episodes to go, but I've been watching that. And like first episode in, I'm like, Oh, so I'm taking a break from reading some Sarah Dessen to watch a show about a girl with mommy issues. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, here we are again. <laughs> here Which, we are again. 
I'm thoroughly enjoying the show so far. I hope the last two episodes don't ruin that for me, but um, I, I will say, okay, good, good. I'm excited to watch. I will say I was intrigued that they they made the mommy issues thing because that's not really like an Adams family thing. Like they've, that's never really been a thing in the past. And at first I was like, I don't know how I feel about it, but I think the later episodes have had a good payoff for it. So I'm okay with it. But at first I was like, no, like, I mean, yes, Wednesday and Pugsley always kind of had a love-hate relationship, <laughs> very much so. But, like, the parents and the kids, like, they all, like, loved each other. Like, that was kind of the whole shtick of it. But anyways, I digress. Back to I, Lakeview. <laughs> yeah, I really liked that. Like, I didn't think I was going to like it either at first because I was like, hmm, this is not really the dynamic. But I, yeah. I did end up really liking it. And I think, I mean, Catherine Zeta-Jones is beyond just like an icon um and fun fact she is a white woman from wales yeah who would have thought (laughs) i know it's like every time i i like i forget that (laughs) i know every time i see her i'm like oh yeah she's just like this welsh woman not just sorry people from wales y'all are great um i love how much you hate the english uh keep on keeping on but uh yeah i'm just like oh yeah she's like a white lady from wales like i just you don't think that when you think of her but that is yeah that is what she is yeah i I think in the i can't remember exactly what episode it was maybe episode four or five or something when it's like parents weekend i think it really played off well the whole mother daughter dynamic thing so yes i got on board with it i did get on board with it but yeah this mother in this book is like, part of me, I mean, we'll get to it here, I guess, in a couple of chapters. So, I guess no, like, spoilers. But part of me is, like, her parents do really seem to care, which is nice. Like, certain things that they were talking, like, reminded me of, like, growing up, like, my parents. Like, you know, there were three kids, and I was definitely the least athletic of the three. <laughs> and uh, But we, like, I grew up, and I'm not saying this in, like, a bad way at all. I don't want it to come out that way. Like, I grew up in, in gymnasium because, like, my parents would not miss their daughters doing a, a thing. Like, you had to be at the game. And it was so weird to me when I got into high school, and a lot of my friends played soccer, and I would, like, go watch their games and, and whatnot, and none of their parents ever came. And I was like, that's so weird. Like, my parents would never miss, like, a sporting event that we did. So part of me is like, oh, like it's not, like they care. They're invested in their kids' lives and that's great. But also you can tell that like the mom is maybe like a little too invested, <laughs> maybe yeah. a little too pushy. Um, and that's obviously can be a little stressful and cause someone to break and run away potentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's interesting that right after we get kind of a, a little brief um, explanation of who Cass was as a person, all the shit that she did and... I mean, even, like, staging a sit-in to protest the firing of a popular English teacher for assigning Toni Morrison's beloved, um, which, like, freaking racists. Um, Mm -hmm. Toni Morrison is such an important author that everybody should read. But anyway, I digress. We see that she says, there were only two times I can remember ever seeing Cass really depressed. One was after the Stalker State Championship sophomore year when she missed the goal. They could have won it all. Again, that is like pointing to her need to be perfect and her need to do everything she can to succeed. Right. And then the second time um, was at the end of her junior year when her first real boyfriend dumped her. She cried for a week straight, refusing to go anywhere. So it sounds like she has some mental health issues that maybe weren't 
getting addressed because of her like perfectionism because of the way that she was able to like succeed in every aspect they kind of looked looked past that and I think the it was it's nice to see here that she reached out to boo and kind of got a different way of of coping with this kind of stuff like with buddhism and like spiritual stuff um i don't think that's like a cure but it's helpful i guess to go away from perfectionism and move more towards like finding just like peace within yourself which is very important and it says basically Cass was like never herself again after that boyfriend dumped her yeah she just kept going through the motions but she wasn't really in it which is you know yeah yeah i think she yeah like she was looking for something and obviously i feel like she probably didn't feel comfortable enough going to her parents because it was like well you got into yale and we're gonna get you a cake for that and like you're fine you're a homecoming queen and you're awesome and it's like yeah she's going through the emotions because it's like well i can't let them down that's what they want out of me but it's like you can tell she clearly must not want that and yeah and she's kind of going through a thing and yes it's nice that boo at least was there that she had someone she could kind of go to for support but yeah it's like clearly you know zen buddhism wasn't quite enough to to get her back to where she wanted or you know where she she needed to be although i'm sure zen buddhism works for a lot of people Mm. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i don't i don't yeah (laughs) but yeah Yeah. so (laughs) I saw this thing, this like post on on Twitter or something that said like children who don't receive the love that they needed growing up, try to find it in different areas. And that's how a lot of people can find themselves in like bad relationships back to back. I think that's kind of what was happening here. It was like she was getting, you know, she was obviously loved. She was obviously supported, but it wasn't in the way that she needed it. So she was like looking for it with jason packer and now this new guy that she met at the beach and supposedly presumably ran off with adam right it's like she's looking for someone to love her as she needs to be loved and her parents unfortunately right. just can't do that because they're not taking the time to like understand what she actually needs yeah no that's 100 yeah and when she leaves the note like at the beginning and she's like I'll, I'll be in touch you know so it's not like she's gonna go completely well I mean she kind of has but she you know did promise to be in touch and she was like I hope you'll understand one day but it's like yeah like she felt like she had to run away instead mm-hmm. of like basically telling her parents like I want to go be with this guy and not go to Yale because she knew that like that wouldn't work like her parents wouldn't you yeah. know stand for that yes let me get some information she met this guy adam um he works for like a jerry springer type show and so he's a little bit older i believe she said he's 21 and she's 18 which mm, bordering on a line there with that one but i guess we'll we can move forward i guess we'll let it pass (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i find it really interesting that they act like she's dead like yes like her mom acts like she's literally dead and it's like she's not dead she just doesn't want to and if you were like calmer about things she probably would be in touch more often but you're like so because like part of me was like 
and Caitlin kind of says that, like the way that they are talking about her is almost like, like she's like, I started talking about her in the past tense, like she's dead. And obviously she's not like, she's still alive and well. And I, I am thinking like, oh God, like if you had a kid and you just woke up one morning and they were just like, wrote you a letter that they were gone. Like, I understand the panic, like in a sense, I was like, I get it that they'd be panicky. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, I don't know. Like if you guys were like calmer about things, <laughs> like weren't like putting so much right. pressure on her, like she probably would be in contact with you. And it would be like, because, you know, the mom kind of says, like, oh, she she would have been gone now anyways. Like, she would be at Yale. But it's different because, like, you had been like, oh, yeah, my kid's at college. I know exactly where they are. I know that, in theory, they're safe. Because, again, mm. spoiler alert, everyone, bad things can also happen to you at college. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so she's, you know, like, it's. I guess it would be like, oh, we know where she is. And she'll be in regular contact with us. And there's things like parents weekends where we can come and visit her. And, you know, and now it's like, we don't know when we're going to see her again. And that would be devastating, obviously, if you didn't know when you're going to see your child again. But yeah, I'm like, yeah, if y'all would just like calm down and not be trying to force her to come home, you probably could still have a good relationship with your daughter and she would mm -hmm. contact you, right. <laughs> but you're not. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We kind of get um, some information about when she met Adam, she came home and she would talk to him every night on the phone, being all mushy and gushy and. Cass would be, I mean, Caitlin would be kind of like grossed out by it and being like, um, you. And Caitlin was like, oh, someday this will happen to you. I'm in love. Everything's great. La, 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 la. <laughs> um, it does seem like she fell real hard, real quick. I'm not sure about the validity of this relationship, but mm -mm. go off, I guess, girl. <laughs> yes not probably not great but we'll see what happens with it i don't remember to be honest yeah we'll see i same yeah and oh. then we kind of see that caitlin like was never really as good as Cass and other features like she has a third place ribbon from horseback riding she got the b honor roll and she tried to do figure skating but was not good but Cass was always there cheering her on it didn't matter how good she was Cass was going to be there supporting her and then it says, to be honest, a part of me had been looking forward to Cass going off to Yale at the end of the summer. I thought her leaving might actually give me some growing room, a chance to finally strike out on my own. But this changed everything. I'd always counted on Cass to lead me. She was out there somewhere, but she'd taken her own route. And for once, I couldn't follow. This time, she'd left me to find my own way. And this is another um, theme that we kind of see continuously throughout Sarah Dustin. Like in that summer, we saw this too, where... We have like an older sister who has been guiding her younger sister throughout life. And when she goes off and does her own thing, like Ashley got married and moved out um, and now Cass has run away. It kind of leaves the younger sister like, wait, shit, am I supposed to be my own person? How am I supposed to do this? Right. <laughs> um, which is definitely relatable as the younger sister. Yes. I was like always just trying to do everything my siblings wanted me to do and what I thought in my head they wanted me to do, which really wasn't the case. Yeah. And then I was like, wait, and then I'm like 27. And I'm like, wait, I don't have like my own identity or like my own anything because I've just been like mirroring them for my entire life. What am I doing? <laughs> I feel like I may have steered in the opposite. I mean, my sisters and I have a lot in common like a lot in common and we have a lot of like shared interests, but there's also a ton of things that I, 
I don't know if like purposely, like I think maybe subconsciously, I was like, I'm going to do this because I want to be different. You know what I mean? Like, I don't mm-hmm. think I did it purposely, but it was just like, oh, like this could be my thing. Because when you are, you know, the youngest of three girls, it's like every teacher I had, every everything, I was Megan and Sarah's little sister. And I think I like wanted mm-hmm. my own identity a little bit, especially because I happened to look a lot like my older sister, Megan, which is not a bad thing. Everyone loves Megan. Um, I love Megan. She's a great person. But I was called Megan half the time in class. And I was like, that's not me. (laughs) And so I think to a certain point, I was like, I want like my sister's posted volleyball and basketball. I wanted nothing to do with that because it was like, well, I'll never be. And, you know, I think Cass being like, I'll never be as good as my older sister. Like I felt that. And it's not like I make it clear, like anyone put that pressure on me. It was like this weird self inflicted pressure I put on myself mm-hmm. and I was like well I'll never be as good as them at that so I'm gonna do my own thing and then yeah then like I can't be compared to them in that regard you know so it's like well which ironically kind of comes up here that Caitlin ends up in going into cheerleading which same mm-hmm. <laughs> and neither of my sisters did that so I didn't have to worry about any of my cheer coaches knowing my sisters because it was like well they didn't do that so I will just actually be called Bethany here <laughs> oh yeah, it's such a different perspective for both of us because my siblings are like way older than me. My sisters are 15 and 13 years older than me. So it's like we didn't have the same teachers. We didn't have the same right. anything. We like but my siblings are all 2 years apart and they all grew up together and they all have the same friends and they all had like the same like life and they went through things together. So I was always trying to like be them because I always wanted to be like in their click but it was like right I'm a totally different generation so it's like yeah impossible to really plus they grew up in Boston I grew up outside of Boston blah 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 a bunch of differences I will say to this day I like am not good at doing my hair because I had an older sister for that (laughs) I was like I never had to learn how to like French braid my hair my sister did that for me so yeah that was a struggle I was like in college like YouTubing how to do a fishtail braid because I legitimately didn't know because my sister always did it for me and I like wasn't living with her and I was like I don't know how to do this (laughs) oh my god I don't know how to do a fishtail braid either it's like not that complicated but somehow it's it's so tedious like I love a fishtail braid but like doing it on your own head is the most tedious thing for some reason. Cause it's just a two strand braid. Like that's not difficult in theory, but like the way you have to do it. Oh my God. It's excruciating. But yeah, that's what older sisters are for. They just yes. braid your hair for you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. My sister did my makeup a lot. My yeah. sister Erica did my like makeup and my hair a lot. And my sister Carrie like taught me how to fight. <laughs> I will say to my mom, big fan of the show, always listens. Hi, mom. She so both of us are baby of our family. So that was kind of nice because my mom, I think sometimes when I like had those moments, I still now as a grown adult woman, I have those moments where I just like put this weird one of my biggest things, and I know my rational brain knows this, but my weird, emotional, anxious brain does not know this, is I have this fear in my life that because I'm the youngest of three girls, that all of our like family friends are bored 
by the time they get to my stuff. It's like, we did a bridal shower for your sisters. We went to your sister's weddings. Oh, like a baby shower. We've done that with like, whatever. Is that like when I feel like I ever reach a milestone? It's like, yeah, we've done that. And like, no one cares. And I know that that's not true. Like logically, I know that that's not true. But in my head, that's like in my emotional head is how I feel. And so my mom, she's the youngest of five. Like she's, she was also a baby of her family. So she like gets the baby with a family struggle. So that was always really nice growing up as like having someone who was like, no, I get it. Like I was youngest, but she had the exact opposite issue that I had in school, which in my school, my siblings were good kids. I was a good kid too. But, um, but yeah, that I put this weird pressure on myself that I had to be as good, if not better than them. And my mom had the opposite problem in which all of her older siblings were not good kids <laughs> and she was a good kid. So her teachers already had this like very, like they saw Mangan and they were like, Oh, you're, you know, Paul's sister, your Bill's sister, your Janet's sister, you know, whatever. And because they were like little troublemakers in class and my mom was a good kid. And then she had to like prove to her teachers that she was like, like, no, I'm not like them, whatever. So my mom used to be like, well, at least, you know, like your teachers have good thoughts about your family name before you enter their classroom. And I'm like, true story. I do have that going for me, I guess. (laughs) That's so funny. Oh, poor mama. Poor mom. I guess what the what we're trying to say here is no matter if you're the younger or the older one everyone has their struggles yes (laughs) but this podcast is very much run by younger siblings so sorry if we're going to relate more to the younger sibling problems chapter two chapter two here we go after our 20 minute family diatribe here we go chapter two um chapter two (laughs) i like that (laughs) I think I picked that up from my boss, who's from the Midwest. So I feel. Oh like my that god, that does sound like such a Midwest thing to say. Oh, that's good. I like it. Um, so chapter two. The next morning. Uh, so yeah, so we start. It's interesting. Like the first couple of chapters are very like condensed in like a small bit of time. She basically wakes up. She got that dream journal from Cass. So she wakes up that morning and she says, August 18th, I wrote the top of the page. Nothing last night and you're still gone. Which, wow, that's depressing. Again, why did you have to leave on your sister's birthday? Like no consideration. (laughs) No consideration. That's not nice. Uh, We learned a little bit about her father and how he's the dean of students at the university. Um, Her dad, I kind of like love her dad a little bit, even though obviously I think he's one of the reasons that the kids feel a little bit of pressure but so she talks a little bit about uh him and then she is talking about how when she was little so she's saying she kind of like sees boo and stewart she says when she was little that she when she gets into her room she'd always sit on my bed and wish that boo and stewart were my parents they never had kids of their own um and it it just kind of sounds like again like her family is very like traditional strict like she even says at one point like her mom is very conservative and her mom is very again invested at least it sounds like in Cass's life um and I think that Boo and Stewart are a little bit more like laid back lovey-dovey whatever Mm -hmm. so she kind of has this little you know wish when she was little at least that she could have like had them as parents um so our latest artist that's definitely seems to be a trend too in these uh novels in Sarah Dessen land that uh, Stuart is a, basically, he's an art professor. And of course, that's his own art as well. 
And then um, we learn a little bit later on that Boo is a woman's studies professor. So her dad and Boo and Stuart all work at the university, which again, taking from her own life, I guess, since Sarah Dustin's parents worked at uh, a university. So that would make sense that she would understand that. Um, so yeah, basically she just goes over to Boo and Stewart's and they're kind of asking, you know, how are, how is everything? Any news? How are your parents? And of course, like we were saying, her mom is basically acting like, you know, Cass has died. And then here on the top of page 20, this is kind of what we were discussing. Um, but it says Boo nodded, standing up and stretching her back. Well, that's a lot of pressure being perfect. Right. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, she was, this poor girl was bound to break. Yeah. She definitely had a lot going on, uh, definitely had a lot going on her plate. Yeah, and then she says, like, Boo says, I, I think it's harder for Cass than we realized. It's so easy to get caught up in what people expect of you. Sometimes you can just lose yourself. And if that's not the dang truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we kind of try to figure out, like, did Boo knew that, no, that Cass was going... But she said no, and then we kind of learn about Rena, Caitlin's best friend, who is a lot different than her. Her mom uh, marries for money, uh, not for love. So she keeps getting remarried over and over again to richer and richer men that keep trying to win Rena over with endless um, exotic trips and all this material stuff and at the same time piling up a huge therapy bill because of course um mm -hmm. i also think it's funny that stewart like continuously rides his bike into a clothesline um, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like i'm not gonna move it it's not the fault of the clothesline it's about me respecting it as an obstacle Sometimes I can be too much of a hippie. You know? That line, the second I was like, oh my God, he is such a hit. Like, yeah, that's, oh, he's something. Stuart is something. Oh. And then when she gets back home, this is when the phone call comes. And of course, everyone is frantic, which again, just calm the F down and maybe your daughter would come home. I'm just saying. Right. Um, and this is Cass checking in for the first time. She basically just wants to let them know that she's okay, that she's happy, you know, not to worry. And of course, their their dad's just like, come home. Like, we're not mad, but just come home instead of being like, I don't know, like, we just want to listen to you. What's going on, Cass? Like, we please just keep in contact with her or something like that. He, of course, just uh, yells at her to come home. And the mom is just, like, frantically running down the stairs trying to get to them. And, uh, yeah, that's basically how it ends, that she, the, the mom kind of finally gets to the phone and Cass hangs up because... Obviously. Of course she does, because yeah. her dad is not... Which, again, I understand. He's under a lot of stress. I want to, I'm going to, you know, give dad a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here, but come on, dude, that's not the way to handle that phone call. Right. And mom's screaming in the background. Yeah. Like I can tell you one thing. If my mom's screaming, I'm hanging up the phone. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then she says, you know, Hey, Caitlin, I'm really sorry about your birthday. Don't cry. I love you. And it's like, you know, you could have just waited until the day yeah. after her birthday and then you wouldn't have just to apologize saying. for shit. Just it's saying. not like you, your parents are shipping you off to Yale that day. Like you had time. You mm -hmm. had time. I don't know why that's the day that you picked. Like, I don't know why. 
I'm sure you're a lovely sister, Cass, but Jesus, that was not a cool move. Seriously, the day before, the day after, literally any other day. Any other day. Very 16 candles. Very 16 candles. Mm -hmm. Oh, Molly like, Reynolds. Why is it always got to be the sweet 16? Not fair, you know? I know. I don't even remember mine. I had a good 16th birthday overall. Thankfully, no drama. No one forgot it. And none of my sisters ran away. So I'm calling it a win. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say it was the same for me, though. I can't remember, but none of my siblings lived with me, so they couldn't have run away. Boom. Solid. We're oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, we both we both survived it unscathed and that's the important part i think <laughs> it sure is um so chapter three. Ooh, here we go chapter three all right so we're now in school uh she started school and they did figure out that the first call came from somewhere in new jersey so it does their theory that she ran away to be with this guy adam who i believe lives in new york that's where they filmed the Jerry Springer like show mm -hmm. uh, is probably correct. If the phone call came from New Jersey, that she'd be in that area. Um, again, more of her mom kind of acting like Cass is dead. Like she kept her bedroom door shut. Um, all of the Yale stuff was piled up in the bed waiting for her. Um, she says, you know, like she was definitely taking it the hardest. It seems like her dad just kind of throws himself into work. She does mention that she did finally get her license and without comment was given the keys to Cass's car, which Apparently she was going to inherit anyways because Cass wasn't taking it with her to Yale. Uh, but still now it's like a little awkward. It's like, oh, and here's your sister's car now that she's run away. But um, so yeah, so she's talking about how her father threw himself into work. He really likes ties. And so they get him a lot of ties. Um, I did like this bit where she says that um, if my mother was the emotion of our family, he was the fact keeper. He remembered everything. Caitlin, Christmas 1988, he'd say, smoothing his hand proudly over a tie I myself didn't even recognize. You had the chicken pox. And I just love that. Like, a hi, and now my dog, well, not my uh, in-laws' dogs are barking. It's Maggie and Misty. <laughs> you can hear them. I'm sorry. Um, loud-ass Yorkie. They, yeah, right? <laughs> the loudest Yorkie I've ever heard. I am currently in a house with two golden retrievers, so I apologize if you can hear them. Um, they just wanted to say hi to y'all. So, yeah, I just, like, I love that, that her dad, like, they get him ties for everything. Father's Day, Christmas, birthday. And he remembers, like, each one and what it was. And that's adorable. And I also just wanted to note that I, too, had the chicken pox on Christmas when I was little. So I feel that struggle, Caitlin. I feel that struggle. Wow. Shout out to having the chicken pox. It was so bad I had it on my tongue. It was not pleasant. Oh, my God. Yeah. I didn't, like, I didn't even know that was a thing until, obviously, it happened to me. Oh, but, yeah. I don't remember oh having the chicken pox, but I have a scar. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, that's why I have a scar. Which eyebrow is it? This eyebrow. I have a scar in my eyebrow, and it was from having the chicken pox. At least that's what we assume. <laughs> I don't know for certain, but I think it's because of that. Oh, oh geez. Oh, that's that's a story I go with, anyways. But yeah. Oh, so they talk about essentially like the only thing that the other thing my father loved besides ties and us was sports. And besides the ties thing, I think that's pretty much my dad. He loves the Florida Gators and his family. Like those are his interests essentially. And Gilmore girls again, shout out to my dad. He is a big Gilmore girls fan, <laughs> um, but yeah, he just really, that's, that's pretty much what he loves. And just speaking about like getting people, 
the like same thing for every like holiday and, and birthday and stuff like my sisters and I pretty much just get him like Florida Gator stuff for every um kind of event and my dad has so many like baseball hats so many and we continuously still buy him new ones and we do this thing every year on Christmas where we have to write like little hints to each other and it's like a guessing game and you get an ornament it's like a trophy you win if you get the most my nephew Sora he's very proud of himself he's getting very into it now at his age and very competitive that one he takes after his mother in that sense and um and he has won it two years in a row now, so he's pretty proud of himself. But my dad is the worst guesser. Like, he will get something in a shirt box and be like, it's a toolkit? And you're like, it's in a shirt box. And it feels like, what do you think it is, dad? It's a shirt. Like, it's going to be a Florida Gator shirt. But yeah, I loved that this whole bit about uh, her dad obviously is very into the basketball and football team. Since essentially this university, the university that Sarah Dustin always uses in her books is a play on UNC. Uh, I thought it was very funny that he liked the football team. Because let me tell you, no one at UNC really cares about the football team. (laughs) So I was like, okay, I'm like, he's the one, I guess. No, they have fans. They've been doing all right for themselves last three years. They really have. Um, At this time, though, in the late 90s and like going into 2000, I looked up their record today just in case. Because at a a bit later on in this chapter, they're talking about watching the game and he's saying like, though their offense looks good, but their defense needs work, whatever. And I was like, I don't think that UNC had a very good team in the late nineties slash 2000, 2000. They did have a winning season. Uh, but when this book came out, it would have been during football season. So it wouldn't have been about that team because it would have way been written and published at this point. Uh, 99, they had a losing season. In fairness, the ACC was very difficult at that time. FSU was at the top of their game. They would have to have played them every year. Virginia Tech, I think, was pretty good around that time. And this is where I lose Michael Ann. But for anyone out there... <laughs> enjoys college sports as much as I do. I hope you all appreciated my deep dive into UNC's football because I just was like interesting. But I would have watching football. I would have never thought to look that up. So I'm glad you did because I'm <laughs> sure somebody will find that very interesting. I found it interesting, however, I I have immediately is, forgotten. <laughs> this is my specialty. I read things like this and I'm like, how was UNC's football team that year? Because I know I doubt they were that good. And I Google it and I look it up and my glam's like, I would have never even thought of that. No. Nope. Their basketball team, I'm sure, was great because pretty much always have a pretty decent squad for that. That's what they're good at. If you ever have a chance, everyone, check out a game at the Dean Dome. It is a good time. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Oh, I did like, okay. So we're getting into, uh, so learning a little bit about dad, his loves, yeah, dad, yeah. And she basically is saying that, that, but now Cass had done something to him, an intentional foul, illegal movement, the biggest of penalties. So she's basically saying, you know, like she's now obviously messed up in his eyes. So we're back. She's been back in school for a week when Rena essentially is like, let's, you should try for the cheerleading squad. And she's like, I really don't want to. And she was like, but that's one thing that like Cass never did. And she's like, yeah, because she was an athlete, which then Rena rightfully points out that cheerleading is a sport. And besides, you get to go to all the good parties. As a former cheerleader, (laughs) I will stand up for cheerleaders all day, every day. So yeah. And and again, uh, our, is this our second or our third Florida mention? 
we learned that Rina came from Boca Raton uh, to live with step- stepdad number two. And this is where we learn about the fact that her dad is kind of shitty and doesn't want anything. Okay. And this is what really upsets me is he runs a kid show. And like, that's what's really depressing for her is she watches this man interact with children on a TV show, but he doesn't want to interact with her. And that is very depressing to me. Poor Rena. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it that I can't imagine what that is like. She says, he just seemed like he'd be the perfect dad, you know, and all I could think was that he hated me. But I still watched every day. I don't even know why. I'm like, oh, oh, oh this is where I read it. It wasn't Twitter. It was page 28. The love we wanted, she'd learn the love she wanted, she'd learn to look for elsewhere with mixed results. So we're it seeing wasn't Twitter. <laughs> it wasn't Twitter. It was page twenty-eight. Is off. That's one of that's one of the best lines of this podcast. <laughs> Crack me up. Oh, oh but yes, that is yes, that is one hundred percent accurate. Oh man, poor Rena. That yeah, the the whole line about like uh that he hated me, but I still watch every day. I don't even know why. It just really gutted me. Mm-hmm. So sad. Yeah, that was killer. But then we see some really nice uh female friendship moment here. She's saying that her mom kind of didn't want her to hang out with Rena because Rena was kind of seems kind of like loose, kind of dresses mm. in a certain way. Typical mom, I feel like my mom would have said something like that. Although I was the one that was dressing inappropriately, so <laughs> she just said it to me instead. <laughs> um, but she says here, I never missed having a wide, thick circle of girlfriends. We- Rena was more than enough. We were comfortable with each other's flaws and weaknesses, so we stuck together and kept to ourselves. I love that. I love that Sarah Dustin always has like her characters always have like one or two friends, you know, she's not she's not like 10 friends deep, which I really like because that's very relatable to me. Yeah, very relatable. Same, same. I'm not like the life of a party, but I I do enjoy having my my little circle, my little people. (laughs) Yeah, so we're going to cheerleading tryouts, which again, Rena's into, Caitlin is not as into, but they run into Chelsea, who was the homecoming queen runner up, which of course the homecoming queen was her sister. So I think Chelsea is a little jealous of Cass and it's kind of the the rumor mill of the town is that, of course, that she has run away. So they have a little confrontation at, like, tryout check-in. Can I just say that as someone who actually was a cheerleader, the way tryouts are depicted in, since we mentioned Bring It On earlier, and then everything about the way tryouts are here, it's always, like, the captain and, like, a bunch of other people make decisions. That's so not true. Coaches. Like, I don't understand why cheerleading coaches are not a thing. In popular culture, they exist. They're the ones who lead tryouts and decide who makes the team. Like, that's not... Uh, but yeah, I love that it's just, like, Chelsea checking them in, and then apparently football players were judging it, and I'm like, that's not how that would work at all, but okay. <laughs> I know. What? That that was weird when she was like, oh, yeah, Rena made the team because it was all football players. It was like... Yeah. It's like, What? what? doesn't make any sense. So Chelsea, who seems a bit of a bitch, I mean, Rena literally does call her one, is all like, so Caitlin, you know, like, how are you doing? You know, being like very like condescending and kind of makes like a snide remark about Cass. And so, of course, Caitlin's very upset about that. And Rena's like, you know, just drop it. Like, 
let it go. We want to make the team. And uh, Caitlin's like, speak for yourself. I don't really care if I make the team. But then she essentially tells her that, um, you know, do what Cass would do. And she was like, you know, kick their, kick their butts, like prove them wrong, go out there and, and be the best. And so that is what she does. She says, uh, when I brought my cheerleading uniform home three days later, you know, so it's like, okay, she clearly made the team. She sees Boo and she knows that Boo's probably going to judge her because as a professor of women's studies had fundamental problems with pageants, the beauty industry, and of course, cheerleading. I knew this. Boo is pretty nice though and tells her that like, oh, you know, if it makes you happy. But again, this is where I was like, oh, old wave of feminism where she like, I was like, oh, boo, you're like one of those, like you're an old, you're a boomer hippie who like, yeah, I had a couple of women's studies professors in college who were very, we one day got in like a massive debate with one of our professors because it was about Beyonce's like Maxim cover shoe and she didn't like it and she thought that it was like she was just doing for the male gaze and whatever and all of us being of the I guess newer wave of feminism were like but she decided to do it she wanted to do it she Mm -hmm. felt good doing it like that's all that matters and she was like no because she put herself out there for the male gaze or whatever and it's like oh I'm like and what if she wanted to right (laughs) that's her choice um so yeah like literally like the entire class like I don't know what we were supposed to be discussing that day but it got derailed because it was just like the class versus my professor like having this debate and it was it was a great day in class I'm not gonna lie but yeah the second we got to this part I was like oh she's one of those mm-hmm. I'm like <laughs> yep this is very early 2000s feminism where it's like you can't have any you can't be like sexual at all you have to be like a hundred percent um like it's kind of, it is kind of like it is the antithesis of, of feminism I feel like because yes. you're saying like <laughs> you can't have ownership over your own sexuality. Like what if you want to wear scandalous clothing and go out and sleep with a bunch of dudes? Like that's also feminism. Yeah. Like what? Um, Yeah. And you can tell Boo is very like a woman should go out and work, which hells yeah, if she wants to, but also if she wants to stay home and not work, cool. (laughs) The whole thing is it should be her choice. Like that's the point. And yeah, this is very, like you said, like the old wave was very just like not at all what it should be about, which is like it should be what whatever a woman wants to do. Yeah, it was like we're gonna have rules on, you know, women and sexuality, and you know, it's it, it was very sex negative and not very sex positive. Let's yeah. just put it that way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we were they were very calling people sluts and whores and stuff, which is something that now we're like, no, 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 we don't do that. I don't know He's, what my husband is doing. I was like, is that Mike crawling on the ground? I just ground? learned that Chili sent you a year-end recap. Chili's like the restaurant? You get a year-end recap if you go to Chili's. I thought what? he said a urine <laughs> recap. And I was like, what is Chili's testing your urine? I'd like what? to really apologize for all the editing you're going to have to do on this episode, Michael. <laughs> Chili's, sponsor you. us. Okay, back to I'm so distracted now. I get something about a urine recap. Yeah, urine <laughs> recap. I'm like, were they like in my head? I'm like, wait, were they saying like what their different kinds of foods will do to your urine? <laughs> <laughs> I yes, I think. Oh God, I think that's what it is. Oh jeez. Oh Lordy. 
where is uh, I right weird. now? Oh yeah, we were talking about booze. Um, Boo and her very bad form of feminism, which isn't mm-hmm. even feminism, but back in 2000, we thought it was. Oh, boomer feminism. That's what I like to call it. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so essentially she is talking about how... Uh, oopsies, I just lost my pain. I find it interesting that every day before her husband comes home from work, um, Caitlin's mom puts on fresh lipstick and a squirt of perfume. Yes! I was like, hi, is it 1950s housewife? Like, what? It kind of feels what? like she is stuck in that kind of... And I don't know if this is, again, like an early 2000s depiction of like a stay-at-home mom where she kind of has nothing but her kids and her husband. But yeah, it feels like she doesn't have, she's not her own person like at all. She's just like a caricature of like a 1950s housewife who like has hysteria. Like if this was the 1950s, she would have gotten a lobotomy by now, probably. Oh, for sure. But I mean, the way that she acted when cast, yeah, for sure. It would have happened. Yeah, she, just the way that she gets, so basically when she finds out that you know caitlin has made the cheerleading team and it's like she has a new thing to focus on now like it was all like casa schedules and her yale schedule and whatever and now it's like okay i have a purpose again and like that's just really sad that like her whole life is just and again like i said like part of me is like oh like i love how much her parents are clearly invested in their kids and their kids activities and stuff and there's nothing obviously inherently wrong with posting a schedule on the fridge and wanting to go support her but it's just like it's her whole life and that is like where it's like oh boy (laughs) that's that's sad like and it sounds like i mean they mentioned earlier you know she's in the pta which again is basically obsessed is about the kids but it's not she's in the junior league so it's like okay like she does do something that's just for her i guess in a sense but it's like i don't i don't know i don't know if she does i think her whole life is kind of her kids what is the junior league? So I mostly only know because one of my friends is in it <laughs> and it's a little bit like, um, to explain it, the Gilmore girls, um, you know how Emily is in, uh, is in, what is it called? The daughters of the revolution or whatever. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. Uh, meeting and getting together and you kind of do like charitable functions around the town or whatever kind of thing so it's like a little bit philanthropy from my understanding like they will do some functions but it's it's mostly just like women getting together to like get out of the house and like be together and I think like for my friend who was in a sorority like she was surrounded by it I won't get into my thoughts about sororities but um but for people that like them rock on and I you know met a lot of my friends friends from the sorority they're all very lovely people and they did have a good time when I visited her at the sorority house. Is it for me? No. no. But a lot of people, especially if you're going into certain fields, um, networking, it's so good for networking. So I totally understand why people do fraternities and sororities for that reason. But I think for so many years, she was in a sorority where she was constantly surrounded by other females and they were doing fun mixers and events and whatever. And so the junior league is like a sorority, but for people that are no longer in college. <laughs> so it's like you get to do mixers and you get to do some philanthropy stuff, but it's really just like getting together with the ladies, which I can get down with that aspect of it. I don't think those would be my kind of people. 
That I agree. And that's why, especially in my case, like moving to Georgia, like I really don't think like, I think there'll be very like Southern bells, like debutante kind of, which again, no shame to that, but like, that's not, I'm not that kind of a person. Mm -hmm. So I don't think, I don't think we'd have much to discuss. (laughs) I need to find like my little, I need to find like a little hub of weirdos to hang out. Yes. Can we like make a league of that? The League of Weirdos. Yeah, League of Weirdos. And it's just like people who want to talk about, you know, who want to listen to me ramble on about the TV shows I love. And like they can discuss like the anime they love or something. And we can all just be weird together. (laughs) Like I just don't think in Junior League they'd want to hear my like deep thoughts on Friday Night Lights, you know? (laughs) Or like your like investigation of like where Marvel is heading into the future. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think I don't think they want to know that. Like, do I have theories? Yeah. Do I think they want to know that? Mm, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> but our League of Weirdos, I think they'd be into that. <laughs> yeah, we need to form a League of Weirdos in the Georgia, South Carolina area. Yes, let's uh, League of Weirdos, Southeast edition. We're going to make it happen. <laughs> it's happening. I like it. Um, back to this book that we're reading. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, she she does she kind of like comes back to life with this and and uh caitlin is like wait what she's like not used to this because this has kind of been like mom and caitlin's thing and she's i mean mom and cass's thing oh my gosh yeah their names are a little bit different i know the fact that they're co they're both co's is complicated it is complicated but yeah so she's like she says like when her mom starts like really focusing on her, she's like, Oh my gosh, my stomach started to hurt. She was like, I don't, I do not like this. She says, The only reason I even tried out was to do something different from Cass, but here in the end, I was following her again. Mm-hmm. Yep. And this is another time where she wishes Boo and Stuart were her parents. I think just because of like the like laid back, like come as you are yeah unless you're a cheerleader i guess attitude that they have (laughs) and this is where we get that wonderful line yeah the whole barbie discussion first of all this barbie discussion is funny like i like that she's just like they're all barbie and she's like they're all barbie it's kind of boring is it and she's like sabrina like this one just gets a name and she's like what does she do i don't know she shops and goes out on dates which also is funny how like i guess whatever you grow up in is kind of how you play Barbie. And like, obviously what she knows is her mom's a stay at home mom. And so she kind of is reflecting that as opposed to I'm thinking of my childhood when I did Barbie, which we used to do during Christmas break. Cause we always would obviously get like new toys. We would get, um, my mom had a role during Christmas break cause she was a teacher. So she was also off. So we were all off together that we didn't have to clean up because usually it was like at the end of the day, you had to clean up your toys. Right. And like you were done with those clean it up before you go to bed. So during what we called Barbie marathon, every Christmas break, when we were little, you didn't have to clean up. So like the convenience store was set up in the dining room. The Barbie mansion was set up in the living room. Someone was camping in my sister Megan's room. And like, you didn't have to clean it up because it was like a continuous storyline. We basically made a Barbie soap opera every Christmas break. And we didn't have to clean it up. So there's always a wedding. There was always a pregnancy. But like, for sure, all of our Barbies had different names. They had backstories. They all had jobs. And I guess that's just because like, we grew up in a household where my mom works. So obviously our Barbies work. So I just thought it was funny that like, I guess how you play Barbie is like the situation you're in, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Not to mention like pop culture. I think that women in the workforce started getting a little bit more popular in in mainstream culture, like closer to our our age. Yeah. As opposed to for sure. Like whenever this trick would have been growing up, which was a while, like in the 80s, I think. 80s, yeah. Yeah, that way she wouldn't have like seen as much of that probably. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we get the lovely like, I, which this is also funny to me. So she talks about how she auto- automatically goes up that this Barbie, Sabrina Barbie, is um, in advertising. That she works in an office and sometimes has to work late. <laughs> and then she, because she wants to get promoted. So she can pay off the townhouse and the Corvette. And was like, oh, very responsible for her. And then the next thing she asks is, can she be divorced and famous for her commercials and ideas? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what? Why in your kid brain is the next thing is like, could she be divorced? I bet cracked me up. And then, of course, this is where we do get, again, boo, I'm a little bit against your ideas about cheerleaders and stuff. But I like that she can be anything. Um, uh, and so can you. And, and yeah, so that's like a nice little sweet moment. But that entire conversation is just, it's very funny, um, but also just very sweet. I love that your family had a quote unquote Barbie marathon where you, where you did full Barbie storylines so for a whole season. I'm telling you, like, and it's something, of course, at the time I didn't think of in retrospect, me and my sisters are like, straight up, we made like little Barbie soap operas, didn't we? Like, we basically were ba- like, that's what we did. And to the point, like I said, there was always a wedding. The wedding was always in the living room, the ceremony. And then the reception was always in Megan's room, which I like that we had two different rooms for <laughs> the wedding the reception. And that's always what capped off the end of Barbie Marathon. And we had a little boom box in my sister Megan's room. And we we had this one pink table. I don't even know. Like, it must come from one of our Barbie houses that we had at some point. But it was reversible. And so it had, a, like, a little bouquet in one and then had, like, a little mirror on the other side. And for some reason, the mirror to us seemed fancier. So if you were just using the table for a normal setting and use the bouquet side, but you'd flip it for the wedding reception because it was the fancy side. <laughs> there they'd be at the table and they'd, we'd have a dance floor. Um, and we'd put the little boom box. And we were obsessed with the Clint Black song. I was just a lot of country music going up. We were obsessed with Clint Black's song called Then What? And we had little choreographed dances that our Barbies would do to it. Mind you, for anyone not familiar with 90s country music, Then What? is literally a song about cheating. So we had our Barbies dancing at a wedding about a song that was about cheating. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, we're so lame. I love it. Well, memories. So cute. <sighs> So yeah, here we go. We're finishing up chapter three, which is where we will be finishing up today, which is essentially, she's saying, you know, that for every year, for as long as I can remember, my family and Boo and Stuart have had an end of summer cookout to celebrate Labor Day. Um, So they were kind of all like, oh, are we still going to do it? And that's when her mom is like, well, I guess Cass would have been gone anyways at Yale. So I guess we can do it. You know, we'll keep with the tradition and whatnot. And this, of course, is when... We find out, no surprise here, Stuart is not a big uh, fan of sports. So they have the football game on for dad. And Stuart's like kind of trying to act like he's interested, but he's, you know, not really that interested in it. Um, so I just think that's kind of cute that he like tries to keep up appearances. Oh, how's the team this year? <laughs> so like be in with his dad or her dad, I mean. So then uh, essentially, you know, everything's going fine. They're trying to keep up the pretense of like, oh, this is our normal Labor Day, you know, thing and then of course Stuart has to be like oh you know heard any news and her dad is like oh you know no nothing new 
so then this is where, which I kind of think is sweet. Stuart's kind of trying to make him feel a little bit better. And he's like, you know, I took Boo away from her family when she was 18. We were just kids, of course, and it was stupid. And it took years for her parents to forgive me. Um, and so he's just kind of telling her that like, hey, like we turned out okay. Like we're happy together. Inevitably, she got back in touch with her family. Um, and so her dad's just kind of, you know, trying to take that little bit of hope. And so he's like, I hope you're right. And there's poor Caitlin just eating ambrosia salad like she would at the end of any other summer. But obviously it is not the way Labor Day usually goes in her family. <laughs> and yeah, that's where it takes us. And we are about to embark on our next episode of the podcast. Uh, we are going to meet Rogerson soon, which is going to be a time. But yeah, here we are. Here we are. Yeah, this is probably going to be our last chill episode. <laughs> we For a really minute. Into anything too dark. Again, I love that like a sibling running away in comparison to the rest of the book is we're like, this is the lighter episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like this is the more chill time where we can still relax. Oh, uh, good Lord. Yeah. It's about wow. to get difficult. Mm-hmm. So everyone prepare for an emotional roller coaster. So we're happy to be back in the new year. I have some goals for the new year for this podcast, uh, which is hopefully to reach as many fellow Sarah Dessen fans as possible and have them inducted into our little our little league of weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> and we will all discuss Sarah Dessen and be happy. But yeah, so if you have been listening to us for a while and you're enjoying it and you know someone who would enjoy, please recommend us to your friends, family. Did you used to play Barbie marathons with your sisters, let them know about this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Come come join us on this journey. 2023. We've got a good slate of books coming up. So yeah, excited, we, everyone. Our goals this year, we're gonna open a shop so you guys can buy some merchandise from us. I'm if so you excited. Want. You can rep so hate spinnerbait out in public and you'll be out getting a little coffee and you'll be in your little hate spinnerbait shirt, and someone will be like, Oh my god, is that about Sarah Dessen? And then bam. Another another weirdo for our league. So yeah, please collect posts. all the weirdos for us and like our posts. And you know, you can join us on Patreon where we can discuss a little bit more in depth. I want to give a big shout out to our Patreon member Cece. Um, she has yes. been very active in there, and she's delightful. Yes. So be like Cece, join us, chat with us. Yeah. We love to hear from you guys. And I'm having a very good time chatting in the Discord. Once I finally, old lady me, once I finally like figured out how to use it. (laughs) So now I'm in there. I'm chatting. I'm cool. I'm a cool kid now. We're vibing. Also, we really want to get Sarah Dessen on here for an interview at some point. And so make sure she doesn't forget about us. (laughs) Yeah. We are going to start a Twitter campaign. We have started Twitter campaigns around this year because this year we are getting her on the show for sure. Mm -hmm. That would be an absolute dream come true. I have so many questions. Well, I'm really excited for 2023. I hope you guys are excited for 2023. I hope you, your dreams come true. I hope our dreams come true. And we'll, we'll see you in Lakeview for the next episode. Make sure to bring tissues and maybe a bottle of gin. (laughs) Agreed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But 10 out of 10, no notes. Exactly that. (laughs) Bye, y'all. Bye.